Amen. Well, as we uh, looked back as a church, I'm going to ask you now to look back personally. You know, how was 2019 for you? As you look back to maybe last year, you know, beginning of 2019, what, what were those uh, resolutions you made then, and how did that go for you? You know, how long did you stick through those resolutions? Have you grown over the last year, or are you maybe about the same? You know, do you feel like you're in a little bit of a rut or, or stagnant? That's what I wanted to talk about today as we started 2020, you know, to get a vision, you know, 2020 vision, get it? 2020 vision, but, but a vision, you know, for your own life. How are you doing? Have you grown? You know, I think all of us can admit that at some point we've had, you know, periods where we're just kind of in a rut. You know, kind of the same thing, whether it's at work, uh, whether it's in relationships, or maybe the family. It's like, oh, we keep falling into these same patterns of life. Uh, but what about spiritually? And I would argue spiritually is the most important. Do you feel stagnant? Uh, I looked up the word stagnant. And I love the definition. Stagnant. A body of water or the atmosphere of a confined space having no current or flow and often having an unpleasant smell as a consequence. Is that your spiritual life? A little bit of an unpleasant smell because it's stagnant. You know, the, the truth is if we're not growing, we're probably going the other direction. You know, water that sits there doesn't just stay water sitting there. It, it stagnates. I've built a few ponds in my life. Uh, and the thing that you need if you build a pond and you've experienced this, if you've tried it, is you need flow. You need either a fountain or you need a waterfall or something. Otherwise, the mosquitoes will get in there. They'll lay their eggs. Things will grow. It'll start to, to smell. What about your spiritual life? If you're not growing, you're stagnating, which means probably going the other direction. So today... Well, we're going to look at six principles uh, of spiritual growth. Now, typically, if you're new to Common Ground, here's what we normally do. We normally take a passage and teach through it. Uh, we rotate throughout the year doing a, a series, like we're going to begin next week our all-in series. What does it really mean to be all-in with Jesus? Um, and then we'll do a, a book. And so we, we went through the book of Ephesians, and we went verse by verse. But typically what we want to do is see what does the Word say, and we teach that. Uh, one of the things we want to avoid is me or, or anybody teaching, getting up and just giving you our opinion. Um, an opinion is like armpits, right? Everybody has them and everybody else stinks. Um, we don't want opinions. We want to see what God's word has to say. So today we're going to look at God's word, but we're going to skip around a little bit. We're going to get uh, an overall view of spiritual growth with six principles. So if this is you, you know, if you feel stagnant, uh, I encourage you to take notes, write these down, and because we're going to hop around, this may be a good thing for you to, to look at each one over this next week. Write down, take some notes, uh, write down the passages, they're going to appear on the screen, um, and maybe each day this week you look at one of these pieces. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you don't want us to be stagnant, you want us to grow, uh, you want to see spiritual life in us, uh, health. And God, we pray that you would expose in each of us areas where we need to grow. And God, I, I do pray for us as a church as well, that we would continue to grow in a healthy way toward you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a lot of reasons we can get stuck, right? Or we can be stagnant spiritually. Maybe it's busyness. You know, life gets busy. Maybe you have kids in sports like we do, and, and you get tired, so you're not getting up early anymore. Uh, or maybe there's even just a lack of desire. Uh, I've had this in my life where it's like, you know, I know I should be growing in Christ, but, 
you know, I'm, I'm not really into it. And maybe you, like me, have prayed in those times, God, help me to want to want you. You know, I know what's right. God, help me to want, not just want you, but want to want you, to want to grow. So here's the first one. Live daily with the end in view. Live daily with the end in view, meaning what's the goal? What's the goal? You know, we have a lot of goals in our lives. We set uh, financial goals. We set physical goals. You know, this is a, the time of year where a lot of us are going to start, you know, goals of eating healthy and working out and things like that. And what we mean by living daily with the end is what is the goal? Now, we're not talking about heaven. Heaven is our destination, not our goal. Romans 8, 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Here's our goal. Our goal is Christ-likeness. God's plan from the beginning was to call you and then to make you like Jesus. There's our goal. Our ultimate goal personally. Now, we have other goals, you know, goals as, as believers to take the mission, you know, to the world, to share the gospel with those who don't know him yet. But personally, our goal is to be like Jesus, to love what he loves, to hate what he hates. And by the way, he, it's not people. Uh, he hates sin, sin in our own lives, to hate what he hates, to hate evil, to love, to be passionate about what he loves. That's our goal. So each, each day, you know, when we make these goals, is that one of your goals? You know, financially, we, we had this uh, class this last semester, Financial Peace, which was awesome for a lot of people looking at how to handle your money, how to get out of debt, and we make those goals. But do you have a goal of growing to be like Christ? Do you ask the question when you wake up in the morning, who am I becoming like? You know, a lot of times we just go through life, but do we have this? And that moves to the second one. Now, we know what our goal is to become like Jesus. Number two, make a personal commitment to grow. So we know the goal is to grow, and then we are committed to grow. This is prioritizing spiritual growth. You know, maybe you know Newton's law, a body at rest tends to stay at rest until there's pressure put upon it, until energy is put upon it. It's the same with us. We'll really just kind of stay the way we are unless we make some kind of a commitment to grow. Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. Does that sound passive? You know, for me, this is one of my heartbeats. This is one of the reasons we, we started Common Ground four years ago is I looked at the American church, and in general, it was just kind of passive. You know, we just do church. We just do Christianity. Yeah, you know, we read our Bible some, whatever. But are we really committed to growing in Christ? Are we really committed to his mission? You know, Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And then Jesus, after he ascended and he appeared to his disciples, he said, as the Father sent me, now I send you. I mean, we have this great adventure of life, but has your life lost some of that adventure? Well, it begins here with a commitment. Now, if you're in here and you don't know Jesus as Lord, this is really where it starts for you. Believing that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead for your sins, and then you surrender to him as Lord, and he gives you his life. He takes your sinfulness and he gives you his righteousness, and then God views you as right before God. It begins with that commitment. We can do that today. Today, after the sermon, when we're singing, if you want to go see, we're going to have people available to pray with you. You can give your life to Christ today. But it begins with a commitment. But now, not just a commitment to be saved, a commitment to actually grow. You know, Jesus didn't go around and say, hey, just believe in me. 
He did say, believe in me, but Jesus' command, his call often was, follow me. Again, we talked about this last week. The disciples that were there, these fishermen mending their nets, and Jesus walked by and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And what did they do? Like, yeah, we'll follow you. And they kept, they laid down their nets and they left. Their dad was there in the boat. They left him there. They went and they followed. We're called to follow, so we make a commitment. Now, here's the question that I have with this one is what are your commitments? What are your priorities? Now, we make financial commitments and priorities, which is good. Uh, maybe business commitments, you know, profession, uh, maybe school, getting good, whatever these are, those are all very, very good things. But what if you make the wrong commitments or, or the wrong priority, priorities and achieve those? How are you going to feel on the other end? Ravi Zacharias, I love this quote. He says, the loneliest moment in life is when you have just experienced that which you thought would deliver the ultimate, and it has let you down. Think about that. Climbing the ladder of what you want to achieve. Imagine getting to the top of that ladder and just realizing it's leaning against the wrong wall. So this commitment is to do life God's way. And I'll tell you this, when you get to the end, you won't regret it. This is the one area of life you will never regret going all in with Jesus. So we make that commitment to prioritize spiritual growth. Now, how do we do that? 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So again, he's making this comparison, you know, spiritual life to, to physical life. Do we have that verse? Oh, we don't have that one. Well, I'm going to read that one again then. <laughs> It says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself. What's that picture? A training. You know, we have a boxer here in the room. My, it, you know, it takes training. When I used to work out, and maybe I should do that again, but I would make a plan. You know, I had it written down, and I would know, okay, I'm going to go do this lift, and I want to get, you know, so many reps, and if it's too easy, you know, move up the way. There was a plan, but we train ourselves physically. How about for godliness? Meaning we make a commitment, you know, this is still under that, commitment to grow, but then you make a plan. You make a plan just like you would in anything else. So there's this myth that commitment follows growth. Meaning, as we become Christians and maybe we just start to do churchy stuff or whatever, we'll grow and then later we'll, we'll go deeper. Later we'll make a commitment. If God does some things in me, I'll make a commitment to follow him. But isn't the pattern of life really that we make commitments, then growth happens? You know, imagine marriage. Those of you married, if you knew all that it would entail looking back, would you still do it? Parents, those of you that are parents, if, if you knew all the things you're going to endure, uh, especially some of us who have older kids, you know, would you still want to do it? Well, probably. But the way you get through those things is the commitment. You know, as parents, we were committed to, we're committed to it. Our kids, we're going to do whatever it takes. And when we encounter situations we don't know how to handle, we learn. And so the commitment comes first. That's important. But now, say we've made that commitment. We want to grow. You ever get frustrated at how slow you grow? <laughs> Maybe as I asked you to look back, you know, one year and you looked back, you're like, yeah, a little bit of growth, but not much. You know, I, I'm frustrated by the things I still struggle with. Well, there's three. Recognize that life is a journey, 
not a destination. So the goal is Christ-likeness. Are you going to fully achieve that in this life? We're not. We can grow in it, and we, we should, and ideally we don't stagnate, but we grow in Christ-likeness all the way till the end when Jesus returns, when we get new bodies, and we are going to be Christ-like in full righteousness with new bodies, with him for eternity. But life is a journey. It's a process. The Bible calls this process sanctification. It's a process by which we become more and more like Jesus. So I like the, the illustration of throwing a ball. You know, if, if we've lived life, say you've lived 20, 30, 40, 60 years without Christ, you, you know, it's throwing right-handed. You know how to do life. And then you come to know Christ, and you start reading the Bible, and you go, oh, life's to be done this way. It's like throwing left-handed. And if you're right-handed and you throw left-handed, you look kind of funny, right? But your body will learn. This process of becoming like Christ is a, is a process, just that. And sometimes it can be very slow. You know, if you plant trees, it takes a long time for trees to grow. It's similar spiritually. Philippians 3.12. In Philippians 3, Paul is writing about his desire, his desire to be like Christ. And he says, I, I have all these things I've gained in my life, but I count those all loss in comparison to knowing Christ. And he says in verse 10, he says, I want to know him and the power of his. This is Jesus' resurrection. And I want to share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He says, by any means, I want to be like Christ. But then he says this, not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This is Paul. Paul who wrote a good deal of the New Testament saying, I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing on. I want to get there. So are we committed to grow? You know, we, we can have the temptation sometimes uh, when we're not growing fast enough to seek other ways. You know, this is what I've seen in, in Christians and people they hop from kind of one fad to the next. You know, they're looking for the secret sauce. You know, what is the, the secret sauce to go from where I am to fully mature? And sometimes it's a, a unique brand of theology. You know, something secondary. I've seen people get this, you know, whether it's, you know, a certain doctrine um, or the book of Revelation. It kind of happens with that. Sometimes people get so stuck on one thing or, or it's an author. You know, or a preacher, or, you know, somebody that's become popular. Like, they have the answers. I'm going to follow this. And then they get let down because they try this new thing. Oh, and it's not quite there. And I've, I've watched this in people, people that have come to Common Ground and then gone somewhere else or left and then come back. And, and then they're here, but then they're trying this thing and they're trying this thing. And really, they just need to settle down. It's all about God's word. And, and it's, I'm, I'm committed to growing slowly. You know, the doctrine is here. The Bible is true. And so we're committed to this, not looking for some secret. You know, uh, conferences are great, but sometimes we think that's going to be the silver bullet. We go to this conference, we go to this training, whatever it is, and we'll arrive. In Hebrews, the book of Hebrews uh, is written to this group where they, they're Christians, they believe in Jesus, but now they're kind of falling back. They haven't seen what they've wanted to see in their lives, what, what they've wanted to see in their lives, so they're going back to the law, the Mosaic law, the Old Testament law, which Jesus set us free from. And they were starting to say, well, okay, that's where the answer is, obeying all these rules. And Paul writes this to him. He says, about this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. 
For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You see that, the goal, maturity, Christ-likeness, and how? Powers of discernment trained by constant practice. Does that sound like a boom, I'm there? Constant practice. Again, physical training. If you want to build muscle, you know, it's not like, like you're going to go work out one time and then look in the mirror and go, it's not working. <laughs> right? It, it takes time. You know, eating right, working out. Spiritually, it's the same way. Constant practice. And this leads straight into the next one then. Principle four, be faithful in the small things. The secret of growth really is hidden in your daily routines, the small things. In Matthew 25, 23, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God, the kingdom that we are part of if we're Jesus followers now. And, and he shares this parable of the talents uh, of a master who goes away on a trip and he gives money to three of his servants, different amounts. You know, it says, go, you know, do, do with this, go do business, go increase this. And when he comes back, they come and they make an account of what they've done. And his master replies to the ones that, that took what he gave him and worked with it. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. You have been faithful in a few things. It is really all about the small things. The small response relationally. The small responses. The, the small thoughts that you have, you know, when nobody's looking. Maybe you've heard this, who you really are is who you are when nobody's looking. What's your mind doing? Be faithful in the little things. Fyodor Dostoevsky, he was a, a Russian uh, author and, and uh, philosopher, and he wrote this. He said, the second half of a man's life is made up of nothing but the habits he has acquired during the first half. Now I read that and go, I think I've started the second half but there's still some hope. <laughs> God can still change. But it's really, a, what his point is, it's about those habits that we form. You know, growth is small. Maybe you've heard the phrase, if I remember how it goes, uh, we, we overestimate what we can accomplish in a day, but we underestimate what we can accomplish in a lifetime. Small things consistently. Now, I would say, you know, under this one, being faithful in the small things, the one thing that has had the greatest impact on my own life is a commitment to daily, consistent time with Jesus. You know, I've not been perfect. You know, most people aren't. But when I was, I was young, I was 16 years old, when I finally was taught and shown how to spend daily time with Jesus, and that changed my life. You know, I've learned over those years, uh, whenever I do it, God is faithful to show up whenever I do. But here's the thing, it's not like, like he appears. <laughs> you know, it's not like it's this big, deep, emotional time. Every, sometimes it is. Sometimes I get into his word and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and does some things in me and convicts me. But most of the time, it's just consistent relationships. You know, kind of like marriage. You know, it's a consistent connection. And so I would ask that for you. Do you have a habit small of spending daily time with Jesus? Is, is that part of your routine? You know, we have resources in the back that can help you. If you go, I don't know where to start, grab one of those, Our Daily Bread. It's a great way to start. The Bible app. You know, you can, there's like daily reading plans, and you can set it up to beep you and remind you. Um, you know, again, kind of like working out. Do we prioritize those things that are important? If, you know, when I wanted to get healthy once upon a time, I would get up early and do it. 
It's kind of the same way. We, we, when we make a commitment, we'll prioritize what's important. Is growing in Christ important? Now, have you ever been stagnant, stuck? Maybe you are now. Consider uh, being stuck in a vehicle. You know, in, in all my years, I, I used to have a Bronco, and then I bought another one and destroyed that one. Uh, but I've been stuck quite a few times, stuck in snow, stuck in ditches, <laughs> stuck in mud. And, and maybe you've experienced that, and it's all, you know, you're trying to get out, and you, you jack it up, and you stick something under the, the tires, trying to get traction. But what is the, the surefire way to get unstuck? Somebody else pulls you out. Well, here's my question for you. Are you trying to do all this Christian life all by yourself? You know, God has designed us to do this together. And so principle number five, get in the right environments for growth. Get in the right environments for growth. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembly together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, one of these great principles as you read the New Testament and you read about the church, and not just, I'm not talking common ground or this church or that church, I'm talking the church as a whole. God has called us to himself. He has, he has made the church, and when people are saved, he gives each of them a gift, a spiritual gift, uh, a supernatural power to do something for him, for his people, but nobody has all of them, meaning we need each other. God has designed it. I, I wish this was different. Like if I could go talk to God at the beginning, i go, let me give you a better plan. But this is his plan. His plan is that we actually need each other. And so for us, get in the right environments for growth. This is a great start. You're here on Sunday. You know, this is a time where we get to look at God's word together. Uh, you know, you might feel a little bit of a pang, hopefully, if I'm doing it right. You know, from the word, you, oh, a little bit of a, oh, I, there's some changes. God wants to do some things. In this environment, hopefully, as we pray, God shows up and meets with us in a unique way. But then also groups. You know, we here at Common Ground, we prioritize groups. The reason why is we believe life change best takes place in authentic community around the word. We need each other. You know, is, is small groups the only way to do it? Absolutely not. Is it the best way? Not necessarily, but it's the way we've decided to do it, to help us grow, to get into relationships with one another. Do you have that person of the same gender that you can trust, that you can share everything with, that they can encourage you? Do you have that person that can grab you and pull you aside and say, hey, I see this in your life and it's off, and you can receive it humbly, thank them, and move toward, we need one another. And that leads to the last one. If we don't have this last one, the rest may just be good life tips. You know, so far, this could be, you know, just kind of a, uh, a do-it-yourself, you know, uh, help-yourself-grow type thing without this last one. And here's the last one. We must be immersed in God's Word. Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. How do we listen to God? His Word. How do we know what God wants for us? His word. And so here's number six. Ruminate on the word of God. Ruminate on the word of God. This word came up in our last uh, group. We did a, our rooted group this last semester. Uh, and somebody in our group brought that up. 
ruminate on God's word. You know what it means to ruminate? It's what cows do. You know, you ever see cows out there and just they're just chewing? Because they chew their cud. So they'll, they'll eat their grass. I studied this just so I could share with you. <laughs> they'll eat the grass, and then they'll swallow it, and it'll go to a certain stomach. You know, they have multiple stomachs. And then it'll be mixed with some stuff, and then they bring it back up, and they chew on it some more. They chew on it some more. And then they swallow it again. It goes into a different stomach. I don't know how that works. But that's how they do it. Now, if, if uh, the rumen, I don't know, however you call them, this kind of animal, cows and others, uh, when they are frightened, when they're stressed, sometimes they don't chew their cud well and they're not healthy. For us, ruminate on the word of God, meaning we study it, we learn it, we chew on it, we swallow it again, bring it back up and, and chew on I think that's a really good picture of what God wants to do because as we look there in Hebrews, the word of God is living and active. What's going to change us? His word. Why do we at Common Ground teach the word? Because it's not my words or anybody's opinion that's going to change your life. It's his word. There's some power. I mean, there is real power in the word of God to get in, to open us like, like a surgical instrument, to reveal parts of us to ourselves that God can then change. This is why uh, the, the way we typically do most groups is on the group during the week, we discuss whatever we discuss Sunday. You know, so we would discuss this sermon uh, or the passage around it. The reason we've chosen to do it that way is, well, think about this. A lot of times we'll do Bible studies, and maybe you've done this in your life. You have like two or three Bible studies in a week, um, and then you're doing your own study, and then you're doing Sunday, and you're getting all this information, which isn't a bad thing. Just it, that's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all, but sometimes we think spiritual growth or we think maturity is about knowledge. And so we fill our heads, but it never moves from head to heart to change. We, we never grow in love. We never grow in, in, in holiness or righteousness. You know, our head is growing, but our heart is not. And so we want to take uh, the chance to, what does God's word say? Now let's get in group and, and let's read it again. Let's read some other verses that talk about that. Let's talk about our lives. How are we aligning? That's why sometimes group can be uh, difficult. Because some of the questions that come out is, how are you doing on this? And if we're honest, we can say, not so good. But in relationships around the word, we can say, not so good. Me neither. Somebody else, I'm actually doing okay in that area. Here's what God's doing. And, and together we can go through that. So we ruminate on God's word. Here's a question for you. How many days a week do you spend in God's word? Is the only time you're exposed to God's word on Sunday when you come here? Think about God's word as spiritual food. What would it be like to eat once a week? You know, imagine a growing boy, 13-year-old boy in his growth spurt. What if you only fed him once a week? <laughs> that wouldn't work so well. We are to be spiritually growing, meaning we need to eat. We need to eat daily, meaning you also need to be able to feed yourself. You know, I've heard this in churches or, or people go, yeah, I needed to move churches because I wasn't being fed. Well, and my question for that person was, why can't you eat yourself? You know, again, imagine that 13-year-old boy sitting at the table going, feed me, feed me. And mom comes over and scoops the food. And, you know, at some point in maturity, we, we eat. We learn how to pick it up. We can cut our own steak. You know, we, we eat. It's the same with God's word. Have you learned, do you have the practice of reading God's word on your own? He will speak to you. If you make a commitment to go to his word in the morning, you get up and pray before you read. You know, it doesn't have to be very long, but just pray, God, I want to connect with you. God, what do you have to say to me? And then read his word. You know, and in my life, you know, again, 16 is when I started the, the pattern of, of uh, daily devotions. A lot of times, though, 
I just did it because I was supposed to do it. And that's, that, that was okay because it, it kept the habit going. But I would read a chapter and then start to walk away and go, I don't even remember what I read. I just did it because I was supposed to. Rather than are we going to his word and letting it change us, ruminating on it. Again, we must eat frequently. You know, God doesn't want us to be stagnant. You know, God doesn't want us to live just kind of a, a boring and a rut life. He wants us to grow. You know, he wants you to grow in, in your commitment to him, your love for him, your joy, your peace. And God wants to do then great things through you, not just in you, but through you. So as we start out 2020, which one of these stuck out to you? All of them? You know, which piece are you stagnant? Is it time to move on? Is it time to grow? What does God want to do with you? Now, if you need a practical step, I'll give you two. Practical steps. Here's the two things we can do. One, make a commitment to consistent time with Jesus. Start there. That could change your daily routine. That could change your life. Begin there. Uh, we have our daily breads available in the back. Uh, we have this Jesus Follower devotional. If you don't know where to start, this will actually teach you how to read the Bible, how to do a devotional. So after you get through this, you can then continue to do it on your own, and you can buy these in the back. These are great. Um, and again, or the Bible app, but commit. Start with 10 minutes. And what you'll find, if you consistently do, say, 10 minutes, the next month you're going to be like, I need more than 10 minutes because I not only need to hear from him, I need to talk to him, and, and that time might grow. You might miss a day, and guess what? God's okay. He's still there. Pick it up again the next day. But I'd say that's the first one. Make a commitment to spend regular, consistent time with Jesus. And then here's the second one. Come back for the next six weeks. Because over the next six weeks, we're starting a, a series. It's called our All-In Series. What does it look like? This will give you some teeth to grow, some, some, some handles. What does a healthy spiritual life look like? And somebody who really wants to follow Jesus, we're going to look at, at, at five more pieces, one each week, of what's it look like to really follow Jesus. So commit to spend daily time in God's word, and then come back and let's look and give ourselves over to what would God do? What does it mean to be all in with Jesus? Because again, he doesn't want, you know, just believers. He wants followers. And when we follow is when we experience the life he has for us. Now, as we transition to our, our time of worship, we have the Lord's Supper. Uh, if you're new to Common Ground, we do this every other week. You know, there's, there's debates as to how often you should take the Lord's Supper. This is just what we've landed on because we believe it's very important. Um, and it's a great way for us to respond. The Lord's Supper is, is our time to remember what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper in the Last Supper when he was there with his disciples. Uh, he took the bread. And he broke it and he passed it around. He said, this is my body broken for you. You know, do this in remembrance of me. And he, he took the cup then. Uh, it was wine. And he passed that around. And he said, take this cup. Take a drink. This is the blood of the new covenant in my, uh, this is the new covenant in my blood. And he says, do this. Continue to do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. So the Lord's Supper, this is our time to examine ourselves. So as we begin to sing, you could just sit there and pray. You know, examine, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal anything in your life that's not in line with him. And then commit to go his way. And then come take the Lord's Supper, celebrating Jesus' death and resurrection and looking forward to him coming again. This is a, a special time. This is for believers. If you have not yet placed your faith in Jesus as Lord, go see one of our prayer people. Surrender to him as Lord and then take it for the first time as a believer. Let's pray. Father, 
thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you don't want us to remain stagnant. Um, God, you have given us everything we need for life, everything we need for holiness, everything we need for joy and peace, despite circumstances. So I just ask that, uh, that you would convict us, God, that, that today in here, none of us would feel guilty if we are stagnant, if we aren't growing, you know, if, if we don't feel holy. God, that we wouldn't feel guilty, but we would feel convicted to move toward you. God, you're there. It's, it's not like you leave us. You're here with us, available. I pray that we would enjoy all that you are in us. In Jesus' name, amen.